Most people don't even get started on one business idea and it's rare to find someone who's worked on two or three but six come on that's crazy talk right well not really today we are speaking with Sharad Lal founder and currently chairman of 24 Inc a Singaporean advertising agency that helps large clients execute on digital and retail campaigns he also runs a successful podcast called how to live which was recently number 3 in singapore and i'm really frankly quite jealous because that's a higher rank than my <laughs> podcast have ever achieved so well done there sharad and that's not all he's founded six different businesses in actually quite a variety of spaces some succeeded like 24 inc and others did not like his first startup so we are going to understand from him how he thinks one can be successful with bootstrap businesses but before we begin some quick reminders please follow shop talk to get the best small business insights from across asia and if you like this episode do give us a five star rating or head over to crazytalk.online to get the full transcript so with that said sharad thank you so much for joining us today for a start maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself your business thanks amit great to be on the show I grew up in India and after going to the same business school that you did in I am Calcutta I moved to Singapore with my first job in Procter and Gamble I worked in marketing for 3 and a half years then I went to consulting with BCG for a year and a half back in 2006 I started 24 Incorporated the business that you talked about an advertising agency looking after big consumer good clients that's been my core business throughout along with that I've been involved with a few other businesses I've been involved with a tech platform I recently started a coaching business. I've also been involved with a training business early on. So in summary that's what I've done. I still live in Singapore, married, I have two kids and that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's an impressive array of businesses Sharad. Then I know some Thank of you. them, actually many of them because you started 24 a long time back. Many of them are things that you started in parallel and I think yes. there's probably a couple that are running in parallel right now. Yes. So that's quite a portfolio. So maybe let's try to understand how did you actually get started on this journey and was it like some burst of inspiration or something that you took away from work that got you started and maybe how did you feel when you took your first steps Right it was an inspiration it was more a practical decision so at that time after having worked with PNG and BCG I wanted to do something on my own because I wanted to be in control of what I was doing mm-hmm. I realized in those jobs very often you may not have a right a good boss or you may not have the right project so your career could get derailed especially when you are lower down in the organization towards bureaucracy and red tapeism and i want to take matters into my own hand so with that context at the age of 29 i started 24 at that stage i had created a dot com before that before getting into all of this at the age of 23 uh-huh. and that was a tech business in 2000 when the dot com boom was alive I learned a lot during that dot com boom. It was exciting times, but the business packed up in 6 months. And I'd seen many other businesses pack up quickly. So that was my background conversation when I was thinking about entrepreneurship at this stage. And for me the learning was I'd like to create a business which has sustainable cash flow so I can move from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial world, get my financial state to a level where I can have a reasonably good life. I wasn't married at the time so I could get married, have kids. and from that launch pad go ahead and see what else i can do so with that context i left and created this business 
Wow, that's pretty cool. And given that you were part of this whole dot com era, and incident, you graduated from IMCAL maybe a couple of years after me. Yes. So I was also in that same dot com <laughs> period, and I had this idea for starting something which I never got around to doing because I think I was just too scared, like just go to a job, <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's impressive that you actually took the plunge, and this was a long time back. India was definitely not a startup kind of friendly place at that yes. time. So amazing that you actually went and did it, and then that experience is what then you later took on to running your own, you know, to starting twenty four. That's right. Now you're saying that you focused on cash flow. Was that something that you kind of started out wanting to do, or is it something that by constraint or or necessity that you ended up doing? As I thought about various businesses, I was thinking of at a starting point itself. I was thinking that I want to establish something which is a little more stable, steady cash flow kind of a business, given the experience earlier. Because I, I wasn't looking at a binary that you do something right in two years, you can just kick it out of the park and need not work. So I was thinking of bring, building it ground up because of my experience. And then with that mindset, I looked at what are the opportunities out there. And one of the opportunities there at that stage in Singapore, this is 2006. Many consumer good companies were headquart were creating their headquarters in Singapore. PNG had already done that, but many other companies were coming, and there were no other agencies who were servicing these companies beyond the global agencies. Okay. So these people were looking at agile agencies, cost-effective agencies, and I thought that's a big scope of the market there. And having been in PNG, I know what the end deliverable should be. So it's a calculated risk. Which can help me establish like a sustainable business reasonably soon, and with that mindset, I I went about creating this. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, and it's really interesting that you essentially you spotted this opportunity for large brands to be serviced by someone local versus you know those like you said large global ones with multi-country presence and all. So is it that PNG was your first customer or among your first? Yes. Customers? Yes. That's right. So PNG was my first customer. And I kind of at that stage, before leaving, I knew I would be able to get some projects there. I knew I would be able to get some opportunities because there were so many opportunities, and people were looking at quality agencies in Singapore to do it. So I was able to get them. And then my strategy to begin with was to go deeper in PNG. Even though it was one company, they had multiple brands, and they were looking to do good work. And being able to do good work, learn with them, build that in the portfolio, it would be easier to expand in the future. So I, I'm also curious. So I know you worked in PNG, but you also yeah. worked at BCG. And usually, I mean, I've talked to a few service business <laughs> founders, and they start with whatever they last did because that's where they built their expert expertise and stuff. And you were a consultant. So why an ad agency and versus you know anything else? Yeah, fair point. So I think the ad agency was purely from I think an opportunity standpoint, and I thought it was the best opportunity in line with the holistic lifestyle. In terms of doing something related to consulting, I had only spent a year and a half in BCG, and I was still fairly junior. So I think folks who have gone in, spent five, six years, or even ten years in consulting, working on a certain sector, they can call themselves experts, and then they can offer consulting. It becomes easier. I did leverage a little bit on what I knew from the PNG standpoint because there was some understanding of marketing, and the people I was targeting were people like me in my previous life. It was the starting level brand people and the the help that they needed. So I had a good understanding, and there was some continuity to understanding what they needed, what was going on in the organization inside, what would make them look good. Uh, so I think that was the transfer of knowledge from my previous job moving forward. Got it. 
I have a bit of a side question over here if you don't mind. <laughs> sure. So a lot of people or frankly everything that you read talks about how you should set up something that you're passionate about because if you aren't passionate about it how are you going to keep going for the long run. Whereas uh, and and maybe you were passionate about it but this is what I wanted to understand. You've set up something opportunistically like you know that things it's going to move in that space somebody has to set up an agency and so you set it up. But is this something that you were actually passionate about? like you really really wanted to do it or was this opportunistic very interesting and i think you hit the nail right on the head it was an opportunistic move and it wasn't something i was completely passionate about but yes i i enjoyed advertising i enjoyed marketing and i enjoyed working back with png which was fun i feel yes it's of course better if you have both an opportunity and passion sitting in the same box and you can create something in line with that but those opportunities are a little rare and i think one of my latest businesses which i'm doing in the coaching space that sits in that space where mm. it's an area that's come from a deep passion as well as there's an opportunity i think if people can find that that's of course the best way to go but if you can't and you really want to experience entrepreneurship for me personally i would bias myself towards a business through which i know i can get started get entrepreneurial experience because It's not that you get into a business that's all you do you build a lot of skills and then you can use those skills later in creating a passionate business or maybe just stay in your business and take it to different levels and develop a passion in creating something big so that's my viewpoint i think yeah and thanks for sharing that because i think it's important for people to understand that because i think a lot is made out of the fact that you need to be all in on something and you're going to die for that idea kind of thing but maybe opportunity trumps passion <laughs> because I think so. you have to make money yes yeah so so thanks a lot i think that was a really good insight over there so coming back to the agency and the early days right you're an untested agency and you're working with i mean really the largest brands in the world so it's probably the hardest <laughs> way to move forward so what were some of the challenges in working with such clients as a new untested agency they don't really know what to expect sure So I think the biggest challenge was because these were global companies the decision on what agency to use was a global decision right and lots of the agencies that we competed with when we started out were signed agreements all the way in Cincinnati that they were going to work across the brand everywhere in the world right. so that was a huge challenge so people who wanted to work with us with my agency had to go around the system and find budgets that were outside which were called experimental budgets or things that the big agency did not want to take or on for them to transfer it to me so i think that was a huge challenge because even though they might think at least the people on the ground that they prefer working with us they're happy with our work globally they need to go towards that mandate so i think that's one the second thing is even if you established yourself with a particular brand chances are you may not get the next project because they need to go back to that big agency that they worked with they just used you for this so i think that was from an opportunity that was from a challenge standpoint but the good news was the business was growing brands they'd called out this region as a region where they wanted to establish more and more business singapore as a hub was growing more and more brands were run out of here more countries came into the scope from here because of which the opportunities increased and the marketing landscape changed as well purely from the stage when i started out it was mainly television commercials retail became an important thing decisions were made in store and a lot of these agencies did not have the nimbleness to be able to do in store work packaging became important digital became important later on so as the marketing landscape changed and as the scope of singapore as a hub changed 
opportunities for the pie became a lot bigger for people like us to operate and 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 work from right okay this is interesting so definitely a kind of challenging start i would say it's not something yes. that you just walked in because you had no. relationships <laughs> i was half expecting you to actually say that oh you know i had these relationships and they just wanted to work with me so they'll give opportunity if i could say they'll give opportunities but the first two projects that i got were in parallel with their main agency hmm. so it was given to their main agency and it was given to me with the agreement that only if they like what we've done will they actually pay us and move forward so mm. those were the challenging projects that happened in the beginning but of course the big agencies had all the tools and understanding but for a gorilla kind of person like me i had all the time to do whatever <laughs> and to put heart and soul and use all the help so it became some sort of an equal competition because of which and of course i was able to convert some of those which then spread from a word of mouth standpoint which helped make the business bigger right so th- which brings me to a, uh, again a related question here were you uh, the sole person in the business at the time yes so for the starting point to keep costs low to bootstrap like you mentioned to keep it bootstrap it was just me and my laptop and that's how he started out and i would because i wasn't the creative person i would outsource work to an agency in india so it was an outsourcing model and of course i interviewed multiple agencies and through that signed a contract with one of the agencies so that we build expertise over time so i would get work do it with them that time you skype every 2 to 3 weeks go back to bombay come back here get work uh, till a certain stream of business established and that's when i had the first hire so it was a real bootstrap starting point yeah very interesting and i really like this thought process of you do it alone outsource whatever it is you need to for for expertise and then when you get you know sufficient work that you know will feel like one more person then yes. you bring that person on board so on the bringing on board part how did you get your first few hires and frankly why did they want to join you <laughs> like a random good absolutely so luckily the undergrad schools here nus ntu have a lot of smart people and back in 2006 the opportunities weren't that many Now there of course many startups and people have multiple options to go to but that time the opportunities weren't many and I was able to get people from there and to them the value proposition of working with my company was you get to work directly with an entrepreneur who's worked in PNG who's worked in BCG who gets this training through to you and you're the sole person working here so you are going to get all that expertise so it was a reasonably good proposition for them because of which I got one in he had a good experience and then I was able to get other people from the similar NUS. Actually they were from NUS the first few hires. National University of Singapore for people not familiar with Singapore. Right. Okay, so this is pretty cool. Essentially you were able to sell them on the learning, not yes. not the brand name and you know that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And sorry, if I yeah. if I may the brand name was they would then get to work with PNG brands. Oh, uh, which it. was also a little bit of a draw and get insights into how PNG works, marketing works, which was I think the little brand draw to them as well. Oh very interesting. So you're riding on your client's brand. Yeah. That's actually quite clever. And how did you fund the business initially or did you need to fund it at all? I didn't really need to. It was just getting a laptop and I think the payment terms were such that PNG had good payment terms at that point of time. The deal that I struck with the agency back in India was a certain revenue share which would be paid once the money came came in. So I needed very very little to just get going. Back in 2006 things were cheap. it wasn't that expensive so it was easy to get going and slowly build a certain base and build 
some sort of a balance sheet through which one could expand right but the the payment terms point here is is important yes. essentially you were able to do it such that there's a back to back process yes. of money flowing versus you yes. having to pay for everything up front absolutely okay. you mentioned uh, earlier in the discussion that you found this opportunity where global there was a gap between global agencies and work that needed to be done on the yes. ground so i guess overall that was a differentiator for you versus anyone else but how did you i mean over time i'm sure yes. these people would have started building local presence yes. etc so how did you differentiate from these large agencies on one side and i'm sure there would have been copycat ish things happening yes. on the local side as well so i think differentiating versus the large agencies was very clear because like you said it was more on the price point it was an agility nimbleness willingness to do new work and one would imagine like one what one reads in business schools is that these agencies are going to change their business model because there's a big gap of offerings but it's not very easy for them to change their model because they have big creatives who've signed up to work on those agencies because they want to make award winning television commercials <laughs> now telling them to do something which is non sexy if i can use that word yeah. is they're not going to do that and that's why the leadership will not turn the agency direction towards this and i think this was like 15 years back and it still holds true today as well it's it's a bit of strange but not too much so it was the differentiation versus the big guys was always clear but like you said copycats or other entrepreneurs coming up and looking at this opportunity that was of course challenging i think everyone had their own area some people were strong creativity uh, for us it was client servicing and understanding client needs better because i was part of the client so i could see the big picture and understand what they needed what made them look good uh, where do you need to go out and really hit it out of the park in terms of creativity where do you need to give it early so that they can show something and creativity is not important but just giving them something so just understanding the client needs and being able to service them based on those needs versus versus anything else i think was a big differentiator so that we could always create things in line with what the client needed right okay so i think that makes a lot of sense you made a very interesting point here kind of almost on the side which is what makes them look good so it is important because if you're an agency you want to do stuff that then they can take to their respective yes. managers and teams and stuff yes. and not look like oh wow look at this fancy thing which is never going to work in the market or look yes. at this horrible looking thing <laughs> which i've got for cheap the motivations absolutely. are quite different absolutely and maybe that's a little bit of learning from bcg because even what consulting as a services business does is whoever hires them the cxos and others the job is to make of course to solve problem but to make them look good in front of their leadership as well right yeah that's absolutely true and i think it's something that every service entrepreneur should actually bear in mind which is you want just developing that service in isolation or giving that product in isolation there is a lot of org related stuff around it absolutely which you need to wrap it in that okay so tell me more about this what were some of the maybe the other challenges that you faced once maybe you kind of got going a little bit you knew you had a running business yeah so some other challenges or maybe sure. decisions that you had to sure. make so maybe challenges something that would be interesting for people to listen to is One of the big things that entrepreneurs need to do and I think service entrepreneurs more so is putting your ego down and it sounds good before actually going out to doing it but if you're running an agency for 4 5 years and then you need to go back to people and we all compare these could be people who could be two levels below you reporting to you right. and then you go there and they piss on your work if I can use that word <laughs> and tell you what marketing is 
and you need to take it and then go back and start it out because you're still an agency on the fringe. You can't, the big agencies can give back attitude and all. So you have an unequal relationship. So you need to be able to take it, uh, manage the situation and then go back to get more. So I think that self-management, that putting the ego completely away to be able to hustle and fight it out and take whatever comes your way as you see the bigger picture of growing your business was a huge challenge as well. That was a huge challenge. That's a big one. I think the ego element is is important. Again, most people who worked in a corporate and then start their own business, I think very quickly realize yeah. that you can't uh, think about your earlier VP title or whatever you had. Uh, now you're just a regular person offering a service. Yeah. One of the lucky things for me there was, luckily I wasn't too senior, so it wasn't like, <laughs> but it was more like I would have been senior and, right, and, right. And, and these guys are that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely understand. It does take a little bit of doing to get over that kind of hurdle. You mentioned, or rather, you know, your goal right from the start was to work on large clients. So is that something that you kind of needed to remind yourself about? Uh, every so often or or did you just you were just clear you're just doing this you don't need to seek more clients that's a good point and absolutely reminders are needed and quite often they come in terms of a difficult mistakes that you might make so there's always as an entrepreneur there's this skill of or this trait of being hungry for business going out and trying to get business and after a period of time you realize that these businesses which were let's say for me outside the large clients a new startup that's come up and you need to do work for them do not help me take the business forward because there's a lot of work in terms of profitability. It's low. I'm squeezed out. If I put the same amount of time in some of the other clients, I can get a bigger bang for the buck, a bigger return on investments. So these lessons, there were different stages where experiences with some other business development taught me these lessons. And then after a period of time, it became clear to us and we still make mistakes, but it became clear to us that our business model is big clients profitable business and we were going after profit versus growth if there was a trade-off there. Profitable business, big clients, and let's stay focused to that. So yes, reminders were needed, but it's good to be clear on the business model so you can keep coming back to that after making a few mistakes here and there. So again, a bit of a question here. So when you're first starting out your business, right, you may have a thought process in mind, like I'll work with large clients or something like that. But to what extent do you think a new entrepreneur should try everything that comes their way and at what time should they kind of decide to cut out things that they shouldn't be doing? I think they should try everything and for me to be honest it wasn't that large client will always be the case I want it was a starting point and then it was learning through the process to realize that actually the model can stay good with large and deep so with that context what I would say is people should try everything especially in the first one or two years Uh, where the stakes are low, where you're trying to get your business model right, where you can pivot a lot. So my thing would be to try as much as you can and then slowly settle into a model because everyone has a time frame. You want the business to start working. You want the confidence loop to hit in that, yes, I've kind of created something. I can have a life based on this. And then you create a steady business. But as you even create a steady business, there could be areas along the side that you experiment and keep seeing whether it works or not and whether you should change track or not, but it's good to create that core very early, maybe in the first one or two years, and then be able to do experiments away from that, which does not distract from the core. Got it. Okay. So you essentially are saying for a year or two, you can actually just yes. go for whatever will pay you money and then eventually I think so. settle down to, okay. In my opinion, and eventually you, you would settle down, you would still try different things, but if I can put my point clearly, you can still try different things, but 
at least have a very clear sense after right. one or two years that this is your core. So you have to have 80 to 90% of your energy towards this. And for the rest, you can keep trying. And if something else becomes big, you add that to the core later on. Okay, so a few more questions on the thought process of going deep within a few clients, because yes. that's actually, it's not something that one would normally think about, I guess, if you're starting yeah. an agency. But on the face of it, the way you're explaining it, it sounds actually quite good. So my question is, number one, how do you reduce the risk of this approach? Because a few clients obviously means large parts of your business are dependent on them. Yeah. And you're right, like my BCG brain would tell me that diversification is the right way to do it. But I think when the rubber hits the ground, the realities could be different. But in terms of managing the risk, a few risks are managed in terms of like for PNG, there are multiple brands and the buying process is decentralized. So it's not like one source that suddenly gets cut off. So there is an event risk, which is globally they reduce agencies or some ethical stuff goes wrong and they don't want to deal with you across brands. So I think that's one macro risk that exists. But from a micro standpoint, these are mini companies that you're working with. So there could be 20 or 30 mini companies within PNG that you're working with. And it's obviously it's a lot more efficient to work with them because they have a similar way of working and what works in one can also work in the others. There's synergies and productivity there. So I think that's one way. The second is the services that are offered. We started out doing retail design work stuff you see in supermarket aisles, designing them because that was the area. But as we went forward, it went into packaging design, it went into videos, digital work, creating mini events. So all at any point of time, there were multiple services that we were doing. So from a services and brand standpoint, there was some amount of diversification. And then after a period of time, there were a few more clients outside PNG, which were again, big clients with multiple brands. So there was some level of diversification, not ideal, but there was some level of diversification which took place. Right, okay. This makes sense. Essentially, you're saying that a big client is not one big client. It's a, it's a portfolio uh, of uh, clients, essentially. Yes, yes. Right, okay. So that that's actually quite good insight as well. I'm sure this is new to many people who might be listening to this. And so that's one side of the story, which is the few clients. And then there's the whole question about going deeper and deeper within clients. And you did mention that you expanded your portfolio of services, which means you can do more with them. But again, I mean, any agency working with a large client is probably trying to do something similar. Even if yes. the agency is diversified, the account manager in charge yes. of that client would only have to do that, right? Yes. So how do you, what's your superpower that keeps you kind of expanding or deepening within these clients versus others? In terms of our differentiation, which was understanding client needs, I think one of the things that happened quickly to us versus the other agencies, was we were able to see trends as they were shifting. So we were able to see that now these are the buzzwords. This is what they want. This is what has been called out in their annual meets. So we'll see a lot of this over the next two years. Let's build expertise of it or let's find the right partners to do this work. So I think that client focus and being clear on where the market is moving, what people are looking at, and creating services back to that was a huge skill that helped in this. And second, it is this entrepreneurial hustle thing that we had as an agency, we were small, we were able to hustle and figure things out and work with experts, try things, learn things, and there was excitement in doing so. So I think for these two reasons, we were kind of able to differentiate with some of the other competitors that we were put up against. Right. So, you know, this is interesting. Essentially, you're saying because of your subject knowledge in the in the space, like as a person from that from the industry, you were able to pick up on cues 
So if somebody says, oh, you know, I heard this thing or rather somebody said this at our event, you were able to pick up on the meaning of that versus just saying, ah, okay, fine, you know, somebody yes. said something. Yes. And getting that intelligence because we were connected to the clients a lot deeper. Mm. Since I was one of them, they would talk to me a lot more based on other things. And it was easier for me and the others who then work with me to get a lot of these buzzwords. Because often you're just doing transactions and you're just lost in transaction, but you're not able to go deeper with, 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 with people you're working with and, and understand what really is changing in the landscape. Right. Does that play into your hiring decisions as well, then or now? Like, do you try mm. to hire, you know, more people from the industry versus more creative people or something like that? We would ideally like to, so if I give the honest answer, we'd ideally like to hire better people in the servicing space who can do this. But over the last five to 10 years, the hiring has become very difficult in Singapore. Mm. And people coming out of NUS and even people who worked in agencies have so many options, there's startups and stuff. So it's difficult to get that. So it's better, we're better placed to train others to do it and take a lot of it between one or two senior people in the, me and one or two others in the company, take the bulk of this business development and relationship work while making sure that the others who bring in other skills in terms of execution, doing it well, they, they stick to their skills. Okay, that makes sense. Because if you cannot hire a lot of people with certain skill set, you have to leverage best the people that you have and try to distribute the work where you can actually hire or, or scale. Shara, tell me, this is all based on 24 yes. Incorporated. Now you've had five other businesses. So are there any learnings running those businesses or even from the failures there? So maybe I can talk about what I might have done differently and then talk about learning. So. When I started 24, because I was from BCG, I wanted to create a business with strong buzzwords. So I needed to leave BCG for something really cool. And that cool thing was creative process outsourcing. So my search was to create a business with these buzzwords. So I went to India, got an agency, wanted to outsource to them. I'm creating this new age outsourcing system. And that's the way I was looking at it. To me, that was a big mistake because I was getting into a business for the first time agency was a different business, I'd never done it. And just understanding that business would take time and establishing it. And here I'd gone and complicated it even further by actually getting the people who are working on the project based in India and communicating with them and making the business work. So if I were to do it again, I would still outsource, but I would keep the team in Singapore working with me, dedicated, so we all learned together. I had control over the entire thing. I learned better and it moved forward and start hiring people once the model was established. I did that, it took me four or five years to do that. And then the business grew to a different extent. I would have done that earlier. So I think that was one big mistake. The other thing which I think I could have done better, it's good to bootstrap in the beginning, but you need to then start getting, if you want to leapfrog in terms of growth, you need to get some superstars to help you do that. Especially for my kind of business, which is an agency business, services business, people can bring in more. So I could have hired either a superstar creative person who's like, at my level or even senior or a superstar account person, again, senior than me or my level, who can bring in a huge chunk. Most of the people I hired were starting level and they grew ground up based on, so the whole agency was based on what I knew and what everyone learned from that. But getting that external person can help leapfrog the growth. So yes, I think these are the two learnings. In my, how I've incorporated that, I think in 24 now I've got a CEO who runs the business. She's a smart lady <laughs> and I can already see her making a huge difference. She used to work in the agency business and actually seeing it now, it would have been better if I did that earlier and worked alongside her. 
uh, to do it. So that was one learning. In my other business, which my coaching business, I worked that with my wife, who is also at my level. Like she's also worked done startups, corporate level, and we're together creating something. So the synergy of creating something with someone who is at an equal to you is more different with someone versus hiring people and, and you're learning together. So yeah, I think that would be a big lesson for me. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. I think this is also good advice. Essentially, if your business is limited by you and what you know and what you don't know, <laughs> everybody else has to learn from there, then there's a limit to all of that. I'm curious though about your podcast. How did you get that started? Have you incorporated any of your business learnings in running the podcast itself? Right. Podcast was like you initially talked about a project which is to do with your passion. So this is something to do with my passion. It is related to the coaching business that me and my wife created, which is my life house. And in this coaching business, we've got a sense of many people who are stuck in life in different stages, smart people stuck in life who are looking at something more than just achievement. They're looking at meaning for life. They're looking at managing stress. Some of them are looking for ways to deepen their relationship. So something beyond work. Some are, of course, looking at how to do better in their career, but something beyond work. And given the exposure we had to many people who met in coaching through this, we felt a podcast like this could be very useful to people and could also give us satisfaction in creating material, talking to people and learning more through this. So with this objective, we started the podcast. Luckily, and then we're kind of doing 15, 20 minute episodes, which are more consumable to people, give them a certain topic. Luckily, a lot of the topics have been interesting to people because lots of folks who hit the age of 40 have similar problems. Am I yeah. in the right thing? Should I become an entrepreneur? Should I do something more fulfilling? What, what will I be remembered for in life? And we tackle all these topics through various episodes where people have got something out of it. We've got experts who talk about it because of which it's been fulfilling. So that's where I'm spending more of my time right now. Along with, of course, like you said, overseeing the 24 business. Right. And I've heard a bit of your podcast and it's actually really nice. And I really Thank think you. the 15-minute format works very well because you can tackle one question and it's just enough yes. time to talk about that one thing. So Thank you. The podcast is available everywhere, right? Yes. So how to live, how to live. people can search how to live Sharad Lal because I think how to live many people are tackling this topic. So how to live Sharad Lal on the Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, or any other place where you listen to podcasts. Right. So Sharad, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, I have to say, being, you know, attempting to be a bootstrapped entrepreneur myself, these are all really good points to learn from. And I take away something from every conversation that I have. So just to summarize a few of the lessons. One takeaway for me is that even in the market where there seems to be a lot of choice, there is a way to differentiate like you've done and you've managed to do it against big agencies, small agencies and so on. And more importantly, I think another big one related to that was to spot the opportunity and to capitalize on that, even if it isn't exactly your passion project, but as long as you're interested in it and you're willing to give it a shot and it's not something you're actively against, you could probably do it. And opportunity may trump passion in that respect. The second one, which was really good to know is that you can grow by working with a few clients and just trying to grow within them. And there's no real need to go out and try to acquire the whole world as your client. Uh, you can actually go narrow and deep within a few clients. Third one around ta attracting talent. And I think in today's context, this has become just a really difficult <laughs> task. And I think it's interesting that you can perhaps attract talent for reasons other than money, other than title, 
uh, other than the brand of your own company and that could be for mentorship learning or the very interesting trick that you mentioned which is to use the client brand as something that you learned from so that was really interesting one other point you mentioned was around outsourcing and how you tried doing it initially and i guess it was successful to an extent it got you started but it's not the way to grow because we need people to work with you and to learn together which is pretty hard at a distance the other one you mentioned is around deciding between growth and profit and potentially due to cash flow or uh, probably due to cash flow maybe you choose profit over growth and in your case you are making that choice which is rather go for profitable work given the way that you want to run your business but it is a choice and it's going to be hard to do both so which makes sense and finally i think one of your learnings was to keep things simple and don't try to overdo the thing that you're trying to start so i think you tried to do three different things together which is agency which was new to you a concept called creative outsourcing which was new to everyone and trying to outsource it uh, somewhere else so instead of doing all of that just do the basic thing that people get maybe with one tweak to the model to make it a bit different and that's how you get started so thanks a lot sharad these are all extremely valuable i'm definitely taking notes and i'm going to look at what we do based on this and for those of you listening to this episode if you liked it and i'm sure you did uh, please do rate it five stars you can get the full transcript online and we'll also link sharad's linkedin in case you'd like to follow him or connect with him and do definitely look out for the how to live podcast by sharad lal short bite sized episodes about how to live so really interesting so sharad thank you so much really thank you very you. much amit thank you i really enjoyed this conversation congratulations on all your work i love your podcast i listen to some episodes on job talk i also listen to some of episodes on shop talk where it's so good that you're bringing out entrepreneurs who are not necessarily considered cool tech entrepreneurs but are creating real businesses and giving them a platform to talk about themselves so thank you very much for doing this wish you all the best as you continue with this thanks a lot man sharad <laughs> thanks for the wishes and we were sharad and amit with shop talk see you next time